Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, this is Pablo Sabaleta. This is Troy Dene. This is Kevin Phillips. This is Jürgen Klopp, and you're listening to The Big Interview with Graham Hunter. Thank you, Jürgen. Look, I travel to all these interviews from Barcelona and our socios keep us on the road. This independent podcast simply wouldn't happen without them. Please head to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now. Join us, become a socio, a member, and you'll get extra big interview content every month, plus lots of bonuses. We need you. We can't do this without you. So, you already know the scene. Um, what you don't know is the time, which is Moscow time, 13 minutes past midnight. You don't know what's playing on my uh, Apple iPhone, and that's one of these days by the doves from some cities. Um, looking out of my left-hand window, the lights of Moscow are just receding into darkness. I have to say that with a big pang of sadness. Uh, Moscow is my kind of town. It really is. Um, Sadness too, because the team with whom I'm flying right now haven't given a good accord of themselves. They haven't managed to realise their potential. It looks bad going out to a poor team. Russia are a pretty poor football team in the... first knockout round but worse than looking bad or feeling bad is the truth that a very um, able bunch of footballers who had it within them, given the right circumstances, given the right team selection given um, a kickstart, like an engine sometimes needs a kickstart before it sparks given a kickstart this is a group of players that could have won the World Cup that's something I'll, I'll never change my mind about. I'm not going to um, pretend that they didn't flirt with elimination today, and I don't expect many people, other than the most committed La Roja supporter, to argue that they didn't get some medicine today. By which I mean that this game um, has been different from elimination in Brazil where there were players feuding and players who'd had a fill of success that sated them a little bit this game this elimination was different too from 2012 in France where everything was friendly amongst the players and the staff but too gentle now in this instance I don't have it diagnosed not down to a down to a T as the assessment matures and it's important to look back at the absence of Lobategi, the way in which the tournament started, the choices that Fernando Hierro made I think um, clarity and um, 
not honesty because you'll get honesty right now but clarity and maybe certainty will increase what I'm a thousand percent sure of now right now is that what we've seen today in the elimination by Russia is an emphasis on what was achieved most particularly in, in 2010 not the two European championships but in 2010 teams played like this against Spain consistently and they had to go through the group stage on the nerves like they did here now I've spoken to um, since the final whistle went at the Luzhniki and penalties saw um, Spain out and by this I don't mean Andres Iniesta who I interviewed um, at the end and who told me that a cycle had come to an end that his days with the Spain team were finished I've spoken to a couple of winners of the World Cup in 2010 since then and they've used phrases like this shows you how hard it is to win a World Cup and this tells us about the personality of the 2010 team. Now, this is a podcast about 2018 and the defeat to Russia at the Luzhniki and the fact that um, this group of players is going home without even sniffing medals. But I think that although the model of talking about 2010 needs to come to an end because they were extra special talents... If you look at the players like Villa, like Xavi, like a younger Iniesta, like a younger Busquets, like a younger Ramos and PK2, they were extra special. But what was absent today wasn't talent. You can do a pound-for-pound analysis and by all means make your own choices about who out of the 2010 team would, at their peak, have played today compared to who did play today there'll also come a time to work out how Fernando Hierro managed his resources in the build-up to this game and then during this game. But what I think we saw absolutely clearly was an emphasis on the greatness, particularly of, say, um, Xavi and Andres Iniesta eight years ago, when they would risk passes. They would say... Um, and David Villa would show for passes his movement their willingness to risk giving the ball away and have to worry about counterattacks was based upon the idea that possession was for cutting teams open yes um, Spain would drag to other teams about as they did in 2012 and, and tire them and work them you know, like a, like a dog with a rag or a dog with a bone. Work it and rag it and tear it and use their possession to try and make other teams make mistakes. They would. But what they also did consistently was play on the tightrope of risk. Want to use the ball, want to make a killer pass, want to dribble, want to beat a player, want to use a wall pass. They would make not huge, long, lung-busting runs, but lots of what footballers call doggy runs, back and forward, with urgency and pace, always trying to hurt the opponent. And that's not what happened today. Whether it was conscious or subconscious, 
your eyes told you this, but standing down on the pitch, watching it happen, it was like just a seesaw from side to side without sufficient number of players in red saying, I, I will risk this pass. I will, I will take the chance that my work might be cut off, that we might have to face a counter-attack. But there's another rudimentary fact too. Diego Costa, for all his three goals in the first two games, is no David Villa. Now, there's no blame attached for the fact that he is a different footballer. But analytically, when you watch Diego Costa's movement, this wasn't the movement of the player that scored twice against Portugal. This was him standing with a defender up his backside saying, give me the ball. And this was the other part of the Spain team not giving him the ball. Now, what is a centre-forward like Diego Costa for if you're playing against a team which doesn't allow you um, depth of pitch? If you're playing against a team whereby they have the majority of the time 10 or 11 men behind the ball and you have a centre-forward like Diego Costa, what the, what the ball must be telling Diego Costa is that it, it will come to you and it must stick and then you must lay it off. They didn't do that. But if you're Diego Costa, what you must be doing is showing that you will work remorselessly and diligently to drag opponents, today it was Russia, around the pitch to make spaces for initially David Silva or Isco or Asensio and then finally Iniesta to dart into. He didn't do that. Now, when you get a team like Russia that isn't as talented as Paraguay was in the quarterfinals of the 2010 World Cup, it isn't as talented as the French team that Spain beat in the quarterfinals of Euro 2012. I could go on, but you, you get my point. When you get a team like Russia that, frankly, is not particularly good technically, um, and you allow them time and space, and the ball doesn't fly, and risks aren't taken, and players don't go one-on-one -on -one with their opposition guy, then it can be it can be your opponent's day. It can be football allows teams to suffocate one another. Now, because we were so delayed, not just by extra time and penalties, but by the fact that um, the charter flight that we're on was scheduled to leave at a different time and in a busy um, airport like Moscow's um, principal airport, which is where we flew from, it, the schedule gets disrupted and therefore if you arrive late, you sit in the tarmac for a long time, we did. That allowed us to listen to commentary um, coming from Denmark, Croatia, where Denmark played a similar game um, to Russia. And albeit that Kasper Schmeichel's heroics facing penalties didn't see them through, it was interesting that Croatia, the darlings of the tournament for many neutral critics because of the way that they've played, because of the control of the ball, because of the intelligence and experience and brilliance of Luka Modric and Ivan Rakitic, they struggled. Mandzukic apparently looked out on his feet and Modric missed a penalty. Croatia couldn't shake Denmark off until the, the penalty shootout came. Now, when the penalty shootout came for Spain, I'll tell you honestly, I didn't have confidence. I didn't really believe I could... It, it might 
seem retrospective now, but it felt to me that they would probably miss and that De Gea wasn't in the form to make saves. Now, in one of their penalties, he came close, admittedly. Um, and I felt very, very sorry for both Koki and Aspas because each of them have been protagonists. Each of them have taken responsibility for the ball to either show for it or to make things happen. Aspas, when he came on, made things happen. On another day, either Iniesta's shot doesn't get saved by Akinfeev or Aspas potentially buries the follow-up. Listen, because I was on the pitch level, I didn't have access to replays. I've seen social media. Did Spain earn a penalty when Ramos was held? People say yes, I don't know. That's, again, for you to decide. But when that penalty shootout came, I can tell you now with complete honesty that when it was Spain-Italy in Vienna back in 2008, I was completely and absolutely sure Spain would win that quarterfinal shootout. That may just have been blind Celtic optimism, but that's the feeling this team gave me. I'm not talking about me now in this podcast. I'm talking about that's the feeling, the belief that Spain gave me. Character. When it came to holding on to 1-0 wins against Portugal, Paraguay and Germany, and then eventually managing to cope with 10-man Holland when Holland really should have scored in the final, I, I had firm belief. I understood that this wasn't just a technical team. This was a team which had a winning mentality, a different mentality. These are winners. These people that I've been watching are superb footballers, are exceptional in terms of um, delivering trophies for their clubs. They're elite performers. But as I hope the book that um, Backpage Press and I published about the unique trophy treble, that no team has ever managed apart from Spain, what I hope came out in that book was that these people that populated the era of 2008, 10, 12, there was something extra special about them as a group. Now, there are some in this group that, that have that, some who survived from the previous triumphs and some who are coming through. But I think that a product of the relevo, the, the new generation having been held back for so long since they won the under-21 um, trophies under either uh, Luis Mia or Lopetegui, it, it's had a debilitating effect. It should have been the case that um, Thiago and Rodrigo and, frankly, I have to say again, Avaro Morata should have been here. I do not care, and I did not care before the tournament, for those who said, oh, he didn't have a great season for Chelsea. He had a back injury, which he tried to play through. It made it worse. But when he was fit, he looked the type of player who runs at defences, who beats players aerially, who athletically and physically has enough to match his undoubted talents. He should have been here. Um, but going back to sometimes you get a feeling, and every football fan will recognise this, and maybe, maybe, although I've been here watching training, talking to the players, um, who I admittedly like very much indeed, I've been treated fantastically, maybe it's the case that I'm speaking like a fan, coming away from a game and saying, oh, I knew they weren't going to win. But, frankly, I don't think so. 
I saw a jitteriness and a nerviness about the players which in matches which bore no relation to how they trained I know from having watched them and talked to them that they came here as a group believing that they could win and some of them thinking that they would win but wherever the debilitating factor came in whether it was them beginning to worry about um, not having Anika Casillas figure behind them um, after De Gea's ropey performance against Portugal whether it was some of the players let's even say the captain who made mistakes feeling um, that after a big season um, of highs and lows for Real Madrid and eventually becoming European champion for the third straight time maybe it was too much for certain Madrid players to have a rest after the domestic season and then pick themselves back up to ramming speed for a World Cup and and people shouldn't tell me that's the same for everybody because it's not there are many many players still left at this tournament who haven't had the domestic season where they've had every drop of effort and psychological strength squeezed out of them by club exploits but no excuses not here not in this podcast I'll say bluntly that part of the culpability for Spain's elimination, sadly, rests with them, themselves. I didn't enjoy how Russia played. I don't really respect it. But I do accept, as Fernando Hierro said to me on the pitch when I interviewed him, that, and as did Sergio Ramos, football is made up of performances like that. If you want to play like that and it comes off from you, for you, it's entirely legitimate. From the people I interviewed, there was no finger-pointing of any kind at Russia, no quotes about anti-football and fair play, because in the end, they won. They got it right. Let's take a break. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Now, although there are um, at least, I don't know, 14 more big inside views from the World Cup to come. I want to try and paint you a little bit of a picture of what I'm allowed to tell you and maybe bring this this group who will be flying home to Madrid tomorrow um, to life a little bit. So, for example, when we do our work, um, there's an unspoken but still pretty firm pact that um, with our kit, our camera crew kit, we will wait until the end to let all the officials and the technical staff and the players onto the plane and then we'll push on through to make sure that we don't hold up departure at all and we've, we've done our job reasonably well in that sense um, what you notice is that although the players are all polite and friendly Pepe Reina is always the one who says don't worry lads, you go first don't worry about me um, I'll wait, I'm happy and he's been a gent to us 
the whole time. Many players have. We've been treated genuinely really well. We've been treated, if not like friends, we've been treated with respect and kindness and professional helpfulness. And that's something that I'll tell you now. When you're slogging your guts out, when you're in a foreign country, when you're tired, when you're working long hours, that that matters very much indeed. Another little picture. It was very often the case in the press conferences. I'm friends with Tony Guerra, as you know. Tony Guerra is the kit man, head kit man, um, who worked in Aberdeen uh, and London. And also, what's that place near Leeds that's posh? You'll all be shouting out to me, and I'm too tired at this stage of the tournament to remember what it is. There's a lovely place in Yorkshire near Leeds um, where he also worked. Um, He's dotted about Britain, and now for several years he's been in charge of all the materials for Spain. And I kept saying to him that when players spoke in press conferences and named the spirit and talked about the attitude, they would go through the technical staff, the players, the physios, the doctors, and all the kit men. And I used to say to Tony, that's, that's good to hear, that they, you know, they don't just treat you as part of the scenery. The guys who supply the shin guards and the sweatshirts and the, the boots and the tops and whatever, three of them, um, Jose, Tony and... Uh, Joaquin Retamoso it's good to hear them acknowledge well what I saw was something much more um, stark than that at the airport in Moscow Tiago was he went round each of the kit men and gave them a big big thank you hug um, I'd swear from mid distance there were some tears in his eyes but you don't always find that in football that the support cast are recognised by the stars Kudos to Thiago. I had a sad moment. I, I, I don't want to be selfish, but you've subscribed to the podcast that I author. Um, standing in the stadium, standing first of all on the pitch, Sergio Ramos was quick to come over. It was um, the duty that normally there's a captain and coach interview at the end of a game like that. Sergio Ramos came over, um, spoke well. The king, um, Spanish king, was in the dressing room, so um, once Fernando Hierro went in, it took him some time to come out, but come out he did. And he spoke eloquently and interestingly about being proud of his guys and the effort they put in and so on and so forth. Which left us inside the stadium in what's called the pre-mixed zone, hoping to finish off our tournament with um, an interview to just put a cap on what had been both an extraordinary and an extraordinarily disappointing day if Spain was your team and I said to Paloma the press chief that the key player for me was Andres Iniesta because while it's also Gerard Piquet's intention to quit the Spain team it was after all Andres Iniesta who scored the winning goal in 2010 who was the player of the tournament in 2012 not Spain's player of the tournament but the player of the tournament and he is probably by far the Spain player of recent times that has made most neutrals fall in love with La Roja. So he's a guy who's emotional. Um, we, I've talked in these podcasts about how much he cried on announcing that he was definitively leaving Barcelona. So think what a couple of months this has been for him, choosing to leave Barcelona, choosing to move to Japan, and now eventually leaving La Roja. So, to my great um, pleasure and surprise, he agreed to come and talk to us to do a quick interview. 
and announced, I don't know if it was for the first time, but that definitively a cycle had come to an end and that this was it for him. Not every goodbye is a sweet goodbye, was his phrase to me. Um, his eyes were moist. Um, I can't deny that with a little bit of provocation, mine could have been too. And at this point, it's hard to think, having seen his debut, having watched his exploits, that my professional career is now going to be empty without Andres Iniesta for Club Barcelona and without Andres Iniesta for La Roja. I can only imagine if you were born in Albacete or in Madrid even, or Barcelona, what I must feel when a legend like that announces goodbye and says goodbye on a night like this. What else have I got to say to you? It's back to Krasnodar. We'll be there about three in the morning. We have to head to the stadium to break down, i.e. take apart our studio, pack it, and get ready for um, the move out of Krasnodar. So it's going to be a long night. A long night that's tinged with sadness, even though realistically, and I hope I've made it clear, Spain very evidently played a, a part in their own downfall here, well, there, in Moscow, as we fly south towards Krasnodar and south towards, in the general direction of Sochi, where I, I can't deny, I genuinely believed we, them, Spain, will be playing Croatia next Saturday afternoon. Not to be. Chat to you tomorrow. I really hope you're enjoying these World Cup shows. We've got huge plans for next season, but we do need your help to make them happen. Go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to become a socio, a member, to join us, to support us. You'll get an extra big interview every month, plus lots of other bonus content. Last season, our members got nine exclusive big interviews, including Rafa van der Vaart, Troy Dini, and Roberto Di Matteo. So go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Do it now, please. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.